Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 81, our big Bible question of the day. How can we keep going in difficult, painful, and scary situations? So welcome into the show. I want to encourage you to check out our website, BibleReadingPodcast.com. It's been a while since we've had a review on iTunes. Those are always nice and encouraging. So if you haven't reviewed the show in a while, hop on over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes uh, and give us a review. Check us out on Facebook. Bible Reading Podcast has a page on Facebook. Like it if you haven't. And if you would, share the show with your friends. I, I think it would be encouraging. And our goal with this show is to get as many people as possible listening to the Word of God with us on a daily basis and reading the Word of God on a daily basis. So this is day number three of shelter in place for us Californians. Millions of us are under that order, and as of today, the whole state is under that order. So how crazy is that? I'm afraid... Such decisions are likely coming your way too. Uh, not necessarily, not prophesying, but I think they're coming for us. And man, these are strange and scary times. But the body of Christ, we're not a stranger to trials and tribulations. Today's Bible passages are Exodus 31, Proverbs 7, John 10, and Galatians 6. One day soon, we're going to discuss one of the bigger Bible questions out there, a question that is raised very prominently in Exodus 31, and that is, do the Old Testament Sabbath commands still apply to New Covenant, New Testament Christians? But today our focus is a little more pastoral and a little less theological because we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6 for our focus passage. Consider verses 9 and 10, which says, Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. I love how the King James Version translates Galatians 6, 9, We shall reap if we faint not. So this is such an important passage for the time we find ourselves in as pandemic Christians. We will be fruitful in this season as the blood-bought church of the living and resurrected Jesus if we do not give up. And in the midst of this pandemic, we must still work for the good of all, especially for those who are in the faith. So just briefly, and I don't want to insult you with this, but I do want you to see it. Let's consider the part of this command that many of us are not going to initially get unless it's, I don't know, the volumes turned up just a little bit. Paul, under the inspiration and authority of the Holy Spirit, commands us to work for the good of all. All. Now, who does all include? I'm glad you asked. So if you're a diehard Republican, all includes Democrats. If you're a diehard Democrat, all includes Republicans. If you're a big Alabama fan, such as myself, all includes Auburn fans and vice versa. What about the 49ers? Go Niners! Well, all includes the Raiders and their fans, eh? vice versa. If you're a saved follower of Jesus who believes that he is the only way to salvation, as I do, then all includes Islamic people, atheists, agnostics, Hindu people, and people who think Christians are fools. 
those people, they're all lumped into that little three-letter word, all. If you're a cessationist, all includes charismatics and continuationists and vice versa. If you're a Calvinist, now hold on, don't wreck your car, all includes Arminians and vice versa. If you're a Baptist, all includes Methodists. I could keep going, but hopefully you're getting it by now, and I hope I'm getting it by now. Aside from this command to do good to all, which really is an important reminder for us right now, I do want to focus on the promise in Scripture that we will reap and be fruitful if we do not give up So let's talk a little bit about perseverance today. First thing we're going to do is we're going to read Galatians 6 in its entirety. Then we're going to come back and talk about 10 Bible verses on persevering and not giving up. And we're going to hear from our old friend Charles Spurgeon, who has two short, sharp illustrations to spur us on. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, Brothers, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual should restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burden. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each person should examine his own work, and then he will have a reason for boasting in himself alone, and not in respect to someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. The one who is taught the message must share all his good things with the teacher. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he also will reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap corruption from the flesh, but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So we must not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, we must work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Look at what large letters I use as I write to you in my own handwriting. Those who want to make a good impression in the flesh are the ones who would compel you to be circumcised, but only to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even the circumcised don't keep the law themselves. However, they want you to be circumcised in order to boast about your flesh. But as for me... I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The the world has been crucified to me through the cross, and I to the world. For both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. What matters is a new creation. May peace come to all those who follow this standard, and mercy to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, because I bear on my body scars for the cause of Jesus. Brothers... The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So, my friends, let's look at 10 punchy, sharp, important, encouraging, and strong Bible verses on perseverance and not giving up, with the purpose being knowing that everybody around the world, and probably almost everybody listening to this, is a little bit scared, a little bit nervous now. I mean, you can't watch or read the news for more than five minutes without seeing something that's really kind of scary. So in the midst of this time where many of us are... Uh, our stress level is high at the very least. Many of us are afraid and, and honestly, with good reason. Here's 10 Bible verses on persevering and not giving up. Second Thessalonians 3.13 
But as for you, brothers and sisters, do not grow weary in doing good. 2 Corinthians 4.1 Therefore, since we have this ministry because we were shown mercy, we do not give up. James 1.25 The one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, hearer, but one who does good works, this person will be blessed in what he does. So there's a blessing in perseverance. James 1.12, a man who endures trials is blessed because when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Romans 5.3-5, not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I keep coming back and back to Romans 5 in the midst of this trial we're going through. James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Revelation 2, 10. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Look, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison to test you, and you will have affliction for ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Luke twenty one seventeen. You will be hated by everyone because of my name, says Jesus, but not a hair of your head will be lost. By your endurance you will gain your lives. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow workers throughout the world. And finally, 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13. This saying is trustworthy, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. But if we're faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. I love that passage. 2 Timothy 2.12 If we endure, we will also reign with him. R-E-I-G-N reign with him, serving in some sort of royal heavenly capacity along with King Jesus. That's amazing. How do we get there if we endure? So let's turn now to good friend of the show, Charles Spurgeon. He's got a couple of insights for us on this passage in Galatians. The first one is from his John Plowman's Pictures, which is a book he wrote. Uh, it's kind of a dialogue between a farmer and a pastor. And the second one is from a sermon that he preached on Galatians. Let's start with Plowman. A society of good Christian people will split into pieces over a petty quarrel or a mere matter of opinion, while all around them the masses are perishing for want of the gospel. A miserable little mouse, which no cat would ever hunt, takes them off from their Lord's work. Again, intelligent men will spend months of time and heaps of money in inventing and publishing mere speculations while the great 
field of the world lies unplowed. They seem to care nothing how many perish as long as they can ride their hobbies. In other matters, a little common sense is allowed to rule, but in the weightiest matters, foolishness is sadly conspicuous. As for you and me, John, let us kill a mouse when it nibbles our bread, but let us not spend our lives over it. What can be done by a mouse trap or a cat should not occupy all our thoughts. The paltry trifles of this world are much of the same sort. Let us give our chief attention to the chief things, the glory of God, the winning of souls for Jesus in our own salvation. There are fools enough in the world, and there can be no need that Christian men should swell the number. Go on with your plowing, John, and I will go on with my preaching, and in due season we will reap if we faint not. That's some good wisdom there. Many of us who spend time on social media, in um, Facebook groups, and in Twitter conversations would learn a lot from that to ignore silly controversies, as the Bible says, and focus on the important things. All right, second encouragement to not faint, comes from a sermon that Spurgeon preached. And he says this, This verse, we shall reap if we faint not, occurs in the letter to the Galatians, which so plainly sets forth the grand doctrine of justification by faith and teaches us most plainly that salvation is not of works, but of grace, as if to confound forever those who say that the doctrine of grace is unpractical. The Apostle Paul, before he closes his letter, exhorts believers to labor, to work. And in the verse gives us before us gives us a sentence worthy to be printed in letters of gold and hung up forever before the eyes of all Christian workers. Be not weary in well-doing. It is true, my brethren, that you are not to save yourselves by well-doing. Your motive is not selfish, but because you are saved already, you desire to manifest the power of gratitude and to prove to all the world that those who receive a free salvation are the very men who most cheerfully labor to please God and to bring glory to his name. O ye who are debtors to the infinite mercy of God, be not weary in well-doing. The Apostle Paul, at the time he wrote our text, had in his mind's eye the well-doing which by its alms, or giving to the poor, does good to unto all men, and also that kindness which leads hearers of the gospel to communicate in all good things unto him that teaches. Truly, it is easy to be wary in these matters. Almsgiving can be certainly disheartening work. One is so continually being deceived that giving to the poor can become a weary business. Impostors abound on all sides. This city of London swarms with impostors who would deceive Solomon himself. Keeping in mind that Spurgeon said this in the 1800s, I do not wonder that men are driven to organize their charity, which frequently means bringing it to an end. The tendency is to excuse themselves because at some time or other they have been victimized. A cruel hardness is abroad, which talks philosophy and renounces giving to the poor for fear of disturbing our delightful social economy. Almsgiving, if we are to believe some men, has become as a crime. To these people it seems odd that our Lord should have commanded anything so inconsistent with political economy as giving to the poor. According to the modern school, 
We may expect those to be blessed who see people hungry and give them no meat, thirsty and give them no drink, sick and in prison and never visit them. I trust, however, that the Christian spirit, which is compassionate to the poor, will never die out among us, and that, notwithstanding all the the difficulties under which we may have to labor, we may not be weary in well-doing." For despite all deceits and impositions, in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now that is a good word for us in this day and age, my brothers and sisters, that we would persist in doing good, whether we've been fooled or deceived or tricked or whatever. The word of God is sure we will reap if we don't faint. I want to close in a weird way today. Well, not in a weird way in the sense this is all throughout the Bible, but weird for this podcast. I want to close with a blessing and benediction for us from the Word of God. Now, we're also going to read scriptures after this, but I do mean close this section. I want to commend this verse to you. It is a a prayer of Paul, a blessing of Paul, a benediction of Paul. You can find it in Colossians 1, 11 through 14. And I want to say it, pray it, and bless you with the Word of God. And it says this, May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins in him. And we'll read that one more time, because man, that's good. I encourage you, get alone with your Bible or your Bible app and read and meditate and memorize and pray through Colossians 1, 11-14. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins in him. May that be an encouragement to you. Exodus 31 verse 1, the Lord also spoke to Moses, look, I have appointed by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with God's spirit, with wisdom, understanding, and ability in every craft to design artistic works in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut gemstones for mounting, and to carve wood for every work in every craft. I have also selected Aholiab, son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, to be with him. I have put wisdom in the heart of every skilled artisan in order to make all that I have commanded to you. The tent of meeting, the ark of the testimony, the mercy seat that is on top of it, and all the other furnishings of the tent, the table with its utensils, the gold lampstand with all its utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, utensils, the basin with its stand, the specially woven garments, both the holy garments for the priest Aaron and the garments for his sons to serve as priests, the anointing oil and the fragrant incense for the sanctuary. They must make them according to all that I have commanded you. And the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. 
For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, so that you will know that I am the Lord who consecrates you. Observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Whoever profanes it must be put to death. If anyone does not work on it, that person must be cut off from his people. Work may be done for six days, but on the seventh day there must be a Sabbath of complete rest, holy to the Lord. Anyone who does work on the Sabbath day must be put to death. The Israelites must observe the Sabbath, celebrating it throughout their generations as a permanent covenant. It is a sign forever between me and the Israelites, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, but on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. When he finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of the testimony, stone tablets inscribed by the finger of God. Proverbs chapter 7 verse 1, My son, obey my words and treasure my commands. Keep my commands and live and guard my instructions as you would the pupil of your eye. Tie them to your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your relative. She will keep you from a forbidden woman, a wayward woman with her flattering talk. At the window of my house, I looked through my lattice. I saw among the inexperienced, I noticed among the youths, a young man lacking sense. Crossing the street near her corner, he strolled down the road to her house at twilight in the evening. In the dark of the night, a woman came to meet him, dressed like a prostitute, having a hidden agenda. She is loud and defiant. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the square, she lurks at every corner. She grabs him and kisses him. She brazenly says to him, I've made fellowship offerings. Today I've fulfilled my vows. So I came out to meet you, to search for you, and I've found you. I've spread coverings on my bed, richly colored linen from Egypt. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of lovemaking until morning. Let's feast on each other's love. My husband isn't home. He went on a long journey. He took a bag of silver with him and will come home at the time of the full moon. She seduces him with her persistent pleading. She lures with her flattering talk. He follows her impulsively like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer bounding towards a trap until an arrow pierces its liver, like a bird darting into a snare. He doesn't know it will cost him his life. Now, sons, listen to me and pay attention to the words from my mouth. Don't let your heart turn aside to her ways and don't stray onto her paths. For she has brought many down to death. Her victims are countless. Her house is the road to Sheol, descending to the chambers of death. John chapter 10 verse 1, Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Jesus said again, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief only comes to kill and destroy. 
I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then scatters and snatches them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from the sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock and one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, He he has a demon and he's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, These aren't the words of someone who is demon-possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then the festival of dedication took place in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Jesus was walking in the temple in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. I did tell you, and you didn't believe, Jesus answered them. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you don't believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, the Jews picked up rocks to stone him. Jesus replied, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these works are you stoning me? We aren't stoning you for a good work, the Jews answered, but for blasphemy, because you, being man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Isn't it written in your law, I said you are gods? If he called those whom the word of God came to gods, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say you are blaspheming to the one the Father set apart and sent into the world because I said I am the Son of God? If I am not doing my Father's works, don't believe me. But if I am doing them and you don't believe me, believe the works. This way you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Then they were trying again to seize him, but he eluded their grasp. So he departed again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing earlier, and he remained there. Many came to him and said, John never did a sign, but everything John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. Well, God bless you, friends. May the word of God encourage and build you up and give you hope. And may you share it with others because we all need hope right now. Good day and Godspeed.